Well, good morning, everyone. All okay? John chapter 13 is where we will be this morning. If you have a Bible, then turn to John chapter 13. It will be on the screen behind me as well. So as you know, over the summer, we've been working our way through the gospel of John. Every sermon taken one chapter at a time. And this morning, chapter 13. So we're going to read a number of verses, starting at verse 1. John chapter 13. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. And then finally, let's drop down to verse 31. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into glory, and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked, I am ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even knew me. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray one more time. God, we come to a passage which is so familiar to us. Like we get this passage. This is about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. We've heard sermons on this. We, we know illustrations about this. 
But God, I pray that you by your spirit will come in a new and come in a fresh way and you will be our teacher here this morning and apply the truth of this message deep down into our hearts. So spirit, come. Spirit, be our teacher. And we ask these things in your name. And everyone said, amen. So here we are in John chapter 13. We're actually in the last 24 hours of Jesus' life on earth, so we need to feel the weight of that as we start. We're in the last 24 hours of Jesus' earthly ministry. 24 hours, he will be dead. And here we are at a meal, a Passover meal. Since last Sunday night where we were in chapter 12, we've been waiting for this meal, and the meal is now here. The Passover meal, as I've already said before, is a huge Deal. For 1,500 years, the nation of, Israel, or nation of Israel had been celebrating Passover. You remember in Egypt that they were kept as slaves. Now here they are, all these years later, still celebrating the fact that they have been released. This is a huge deal. They always met in the capital city of Jerusalem. The, popu- the population of this city was normally 30 thousand people. But over Passover week, that would grow to something between 150 and 250,000 people jam-packed into this capital city. So you've got lots of people, you've got lots of noise, you've got lots of excitement, you've got lots of hustle and lots of bustle and lots of energy. And then the scene changes to Jesus and his 12 disciples comes to the last meal that Jesus will have on this earth, the last meal that he will share with his disciples. So maybe you can picture the scene. We've just stepped off the streets, the busy packed streets, and we've just walked up a flight of stairs into this small, kind of out of the way upper room. In the middle of the room would be a table, probably about this height here. That's where they're going to have the meal. And Jesus and his disciples would sit around this table on cushions. And before the meal, it was customary for a slave or for a servant to wash your feet. So you can imagine the culture of the day wearing open toe sandals and walking around the dusty, dirty, grimy streets of Jerusalem, and your feet would get dirty. So to have a servant to wash your feet was both hygienic and refreshing before the meal. But one thing we notice in this passage is that there is no lowly servant standing off to the side with a basin of water and a towel ready to wash their feet. So if there wasn't a servant in the room, normally that duty would fall to the youngest person in the room. So it's going to fall to one of the disciples. So you can imagine the disciples kind of jostling, kind of maneuvering themselves, positioning themselves in such a way that they don't become the emergency designated foot washer. Because who wants to be a foot washer? Like, who fancies that role this morning? Not me. I don't fancy washing someone's feet. Like, there are certain smells and certain images that will put you right off your foot. A big old dirty foot before a meal will put me off my Passover meal. And guess what? I've waited a whole year for this annual feast. I don't want to wash feet. Washing feet in this culture was the lowest of low jobs. It was a despised job. No one wanted to do it because to see the sole of someone's foot was a cultural taboo. Like even today in Jewish culture or even Oriental cultures, to show the sole of your foot to someone is to show massive disrespect or to show massive disregard or disdain for that person. 
And it was the same in Bible times. So you can imagine actually holding the sole of someone's foot as a servant. That was the lowest of the low. Disciples know that. So they're busy arguing among themselves about who's the youngest. And then all of a sudden you hear a noise that interrupts all their conversation. It's the noise of water being poured into a large basin. That gets your attention. Then what gets your attention again is that large bowl being slid across the floor towards the disciples. And on the other side of the bowl is Jesus. And Jesus is going to wash their feet. Verse 4, he removes his robe. He wraps a towel around his waist. Then in verse 5, he instructs the disciples to sit around the table and he begins to wash their dirty, grimy, contaminated feet, doing the job that no one else wanted to do. And that, really simply, is what chapter 13 is all about. Washing feet. But what is Jesus really doing in this passage? What is the point? What is he trying to communicate to us? So if we look at the really simplistic walkthrough of what this passage is, what is Jesus really trying to communicate to us? Well, to understand chapter 13, we have to pick up some key verses or some key themes in this. And whenever we understand that, then we get to see three things. We get to see love, we get to see humility, and we get to see cost. So that's how we're going to work through the rest of this. We're going to look at love, we're going to look at humility, and we're going to look at cost. Firstly, love. In first one, Jesus says, we read that Jesus loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. He spent three years with his disciples, every day with these disciples. He loved them during that three-year block, and now he loves them right up to the very end. Like, this is 24 hours before you're going to be nailed to a cross. I'm not sure that foot washing would be very high up on my agenda, but it's very high up on Jesus' agenda in this passage. True, genuine love is expressed by words but it's also expressed through our actions, and we need both. We need words, and we need actions to communicate, to demonstrate, to show our love to other people. Because here's the thing, like we can talk about love this morning, we can talk about loving that other people group, or we can talk about loving that other person. We could give talks, or seminars, or lectures, or TED Talks, or we could like post about love, But true, genuine love is always love in action. That's what Jesus is doing in this passage. He loved his disciples. He loved was a selfless, other person-orientated love, even up to the end of his life. And I guess it would have been easy for Jesus just to give an instruction. Like, I say, 24 hours before you're about to die, I'm not sure that I would want to do this practically to save some time I could just give an instruction. Jesus could have given instruction. He could have handed them a little booklet which give them little step-by-step guide of how to wash feet, even with pictures. He could have said that to his disciples. He could have said, after I go, this is what I expect of you. And that would be a really powerful instruction. It would be a really powerful thing to say. But how much more powerful is this moment when we actually see Jesus becoming the servant? How much more powerful is this moment where we see Jesus on his knees washing feet? And we need to feel the weight of that this morning. 
Because this is Jesus. This is Jesus, the creator and sustainer of all things. This is Jesus who is the king of all kings. This is Jesus who reigns and rules, who sits above all things. This is Jesus whose name is higher and greater or more powerful than any name in the entire world. This is Jesus who is God in flesh, on his knees, washing dirty, grimy, disgusting, gross feet in this servant-like manner. And isn't that what it is to be a servant? Isn't that what it is to be a disciple of Jesus? That is love. That is love. What about humility? We're not told in John's account what the disciples are talking about, but we are told in Luke's account of the exact same meal. Do you want to know what the disciples are talking about 24 hours before Jesus dies? You want to know what's high up their agenda? Luke chapter 22, verse 24, they, the disciples, began arguing among themselves about which one of them would be the greatest. Here we are, 24 hours, the most important meal the last meal they will have with Jesus. And they are arguing about who is top dog. Like, can you believe these guys? Can you believe these guys? Or what about Peter's response? What do we learn from Peter's response in this passage? In verses 6 and 8, it tells us that he pulls his feet away from Jesus and he protests, no, Jesus, you will never wash my feet. What's that all about? Well, maybe what he's trying to do is he's trying to restore some honor, some respect, and some dignity to Jesus. Maybe he's trying to remind Jesus who Jesus really is. Because here's the thing, like a slave or a servant would wash your feet, but there had never been Never been a teacher or a rabbi or a messiah washing feet. Never would a teacher, a messiah, or a rabbi lower themselves to this point. So maybe Peter's trying to remind Jesus who he really is. Or maybe what we see is actually Peter's pride in the midst of this. You see, for Peter, like other Jews... They are longing for a Messiah, but they want the Messiah that's going to come and going to be strong and going to lead an army and going to lead a charge and going to liberate the nation of Israel and free them from the oppressive power of the Roman Empire. That's what they want. They want a strong Jesus. They want a powerful Jesus. They want a military Jesus. They want a Jesus that fights wars, not a Jesus that washes feet. Like, and the disciples are expecting positions of honor and positions of privilege within Jesus' army. And imagine over the last three years, you've watched Jesus, and you've listened to Jesus, and you've seen Jesus do some miraculous signs. And already in John chapter 7, we have seen Jesus miraculously change water into wine. We've seen Jesus miraculously heal a royal official son. We've seen Jesus miraculously heal a paralytic. He miraculously feeds 5,000. He miraculously walks on water. He miraculously heals a blind man. He miraculously raises Lazarus from the dead. And here's the thing. Peter liked that version of Jesus. Peter liked strong Jesus, not servant Jesus. Peter liked supernatural Jesus, not sensitive, wash your feet Jesus. So from his 
vantage point, when he sees Jesus on the floor washing feet, he realizes this is what Jesus expects of all his disciples. And I wonder, is this a moment where he sees humility or where he sees humiliation? Because Jesus is doing this act not as some novel way to get noticed, but as a new way of normal of what it means to be a disciple. Pride wants to elevate you above everyone else, put you way up there and everyone else way down below you. Pride wants us to find our identity and how high up that pecking order we are. And then all of a sudden we become too good or too better or too high up to do certain roles or do certain things because they're below us. I'm not going to do that. Wash feet, be a servant. Are you for real? I'm not going to do that. That's below me. And aren't we all a little like Peter? So easy to point the finger at Peter, but aren't we all like Peter? Like, I'll take a foot massage. Don't ask me to touch your feet. I'll have success, but I'm not sure I want to be a servant. I want to be a famous preacher. I'm not sure I want to be a foot washer. I want honor. I'm not sure I want humility. I want privilege. I'm not sure I want this lowly position and posture that Jesus displays in this passage. Bill Johnson says that royalty is our identity, but servanthood is my assignment. Intimacy with God is my life source. And we can stop at the, well, the royalty is my identity, and we can stop there and walk around like Christian superstars or rock stars. But we need to be reminded this morning that servanthood is our assignment, modeled so beautifully in Jesus in this passage. Because here is Jesus on his knees doing the job that no one else wanted to do, doing the job that no one else was willing to do, to give us an example and to motivate us to go to the hard places and the difficult places and the forgotten places and the despised places and the dirty places and to the messy people. Not to walk in as knights in shining armor, but to walk in as bright gospel lights of hope. So we looked at love, We've looked at humility. Let's finally look at cost. Jesus replies to Peter in verse 8 by saying, unless I wash you, you don't belong to me. You can imagine what that moment is like. I love to step inside a passage and kind of see what's going on there. So you can imagine Jesus lifting a disciple's foot, undoing the straps of that sandal with kicked on dirt and sweat and filth and taking off that sandal, setting it to the side and then washing that dirty, contaminated, filthy foot. And I guess that's the story. I guess that's what this passage is all about. So I guess the application is fairly easy. Be like Jesus. Be humble. Wash feet. Go to the messy people. Go to the messy person And love them. Love them even if that's going to be dirty and messy this week. And that's our application this morning. But what if you don't like feet? What if you struggle with someone's feet? 
What if you not only struggle with their feet, you struggle with their hands and you struggle with their face and you struggle with their personality and you struggle with the way that they've treated you and they've struggled with the things that they've said to you. Because here's the thing, we all know that love requires sacrifice. But for the people that we love, we're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to step into these hard, difficult moments. But what if the person is just hard to love? How are you going to love that person? That person at work this week? That person in your life this week? How are you going to love them this week? Because that's hard. Well, you know, Jesus understands how hard it is to love people as well. Because you have to think of the characters that are in this passage. Because what would you do? How would you respond to Judas in chapter 13? You wash his feet. Now, this is the same Judas that in a few short hours is going to betray you. He's going to go and do a deal with the enemy. He's going to give up your location. He's going to lead your murders right to you. You're still going to wash his feet. But what about Peter? Oh, like, bless him. He's always keen. He's always throwing out his commitment to Jesus. He's always declaring that. He's always claiming that. But in a few short hours, he's going to deny Jesus, not just once, but three times. You want to wash his feet? Or what about all the disciples? Take them together. Like arguing the night before you die, arguing about which one of them is going to be the greatest. And then when it comes to your lowest point, your lowest moment, they run, they scatter, and they flee. You're going to wash their feet. Jesus washed 12 pairs of feet in chapter 13. Feel the weight of that. 12 pairs of feet in this chapter. Jesus did the job that no one else wanted to do and no one else was willing to do. Jesus shows love to all 12 disciples, even up to this last point, even knowing what they're going to do next. He humbles himself and he washes feet, knowing that they will betray him, deny him, and scatter. How do you do that? How do you show that love? Like, how on earth do you show that love when the people that you are washing feet are going to feel you in such an epic way? Like, it's not even that this gesture works in your benefit and triggers something in them. They feel in the most epic way. Here's how you do that. You do that because this act of Jesus washing feet in John chapter 13 mirrors everything that Jesus is about. Jesus came to show love to the most unlovable, unlikable people that just didn't deserve his love. The ones that deserve it the least, he shows love towards. Jesus shows love, selfless, other person orientated love. He does it because in humility, no one else was willing to step forward and do it. And Jesus models this because there's a cost. There's a cost that was so great that only Jesus could pay that price. As we end, who are we in the passage? Who do you think we are in this passage? Do you know who I think we are in the passage? I'm going to offend everyone. No one's going to shake my hand the way out today. Do you know who I think we are in the passage? We're the dirty feet. 
How's that for a motivational sermon on a Sunday morning? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm the feet. (laughs) That's who we are in this passage. Because this is a passage about Jesus washing away the dirt of feet. But more than that, it is a passage saying that Jesus washes away the dirt and the contamination of our sin. One John, this is the same John that writes the gospel, says this in chapter 4, verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sin. You could have turned to your neighbor this morning and said, I'm the dirty feet. Or you could say, I'm, I'm the one that Jesus had to come and pay the price for so that I could have a right relation with him. I am washed. I am clean. I am made whole. I am accepted. I am loved because Jesus loves because Jesus acts in humility and becomes the servant. He's humble in this passage in chapter 13 of John, but he will become humble even at the point of death and he will die on a cross and that will cost. It doesn't cost you, but it costs Jesus. It costs Jesus his life blood so that we could be dirty feet that are washed clean. And that is who our identity is this morning. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this passage. There's a simple message, but a super, super profound message in this. And God, I ask that you will just bring this passage to life this morning. Help us to see what you did, not only in washing dirty, contaminated feet in John chapter 13, but the fact that you willingly went to a cross to die for our sins so that we could have a relationship with you. And if there are those in this room this morning or listening online that have no relationship with you, then I pray that you, by your grace, you, by your mercy, you, by your love, and you, by your spirit, will just shatter through hardened hearts this morning and reveal, one, our need, but two, your grace in the midst of that as well. So God, take all the glory. And everyone said, amen. Let's stand and worship again.